Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. One topic, one guest, one hour. Let's get the plugs out of the way. Uh, Gilda's Laugh Fest in Michigan. Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, March. Uh, not, I don't know. It's it's this month. Uh, and also, Can I Kick It returns to Nerd Melt. I think it's March 7th, which is this coming Saturday. Uh, and then the following week is when I'll be at Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids. And then the week after that, South by Southwest in Austin, Texas for a few cool shows with some cool people and then uh and then um to the jukebox comedy club in uh peoria illinois which is always fun so come out to those shows also new promotion uh i most of the listeners of the show already are aware of this but uh some people that are not fans of mine have uh taken quite a quite a bit of time to lower my album ratings online to make them all roughly one star uh, and I say, let's get the job done. Let's finish it. I want to be the lowest rated comedian on the internet. This is, I'm serious. I want you guys to do this. Go and on all vending platforms, Amazon, iTunes, Google store, whatever the fuck it is. I want you to go. I want you to give me a, a one star rating and I want you to write the shittiest review of any one of my albums that you can or all of them. Uh, and I'm going to start reading the reviews on the show. And the funniest reviews, I'll contact you, hopefully through an email or something. i, I got to figure out how to do this. And I'll, I'm going to get T-shirts made, and I'll send you free T-shirts. I think one of the teachers is just going to say, Joe DeRosa, the comedian, is a cunt. So you can still wear that, even if you hate me. Uh, and the funnier the review, the better. Go crazy, you know? And, and write a review about the album. When you write the review about me, they take it down. When you say, I don't like Joe because he's a baby or a bitch or whatever you say... They're, that's not about the... Write it about the album. You know, some great examples are the one where the guy said they play the album in funeral homes uh, because it contains no jokes and uh, the corpses reanimate themselves to cover their ears. That's what I'm talking about. Get creative. Good stuff. All right. Focus on this task, I ask you. And focus is our topic today. Uh, focus. Good thing, right? Keeps you centered. Keeps your eye on the prize. Helped Rocky win the fight. Helped Rocky know he could win the fight after he lost the fight. This is what it's about. Focus, training, strategy. What's your regiment? You're going to drink the raw eggs every morning. You're going to run up the stairs to the art museum. You're going to carry the log on your back in the snow. I think he did that in part four. I don't remember. But anyway, focus is an important thing, and it's a particularly important thing uh, when it comes to the business I know that I'm in, uh, the entertainment business, because... Talk about a business that will kick you repeatedly in the nuts uh, while someone else is repeatedly punching you in the face. Without focus, you'll never make it in this business. There are a lot of talented, talented people that unfortunately don't get the shine they deserve because they don't have the regiment to get out there where they're unable to eat the shit. And as much as I hate eating the shit, you got to eat it because that's the only way to get through to the next level. We're all just trying to get to the next level, whatever that is, however you define it. But too much focus, of course, a bad thing. No, Nothing worse than a completely career-oriented jackass, some guy that wants to feed you his resume in the corner of a party, some girl that's telling you about her latest audition as you're just trying to get to the cheese plate, whatever it is, that sucks. And those people usually die lonely, so at least there is some cosmic justice. Anyway, trying to find the balance, the gray area is always on this podcast, and why... 
I love to discuss these things with another person, not just with myself. And my guest today is certainly no stranger to, the, to this crazy business. Uh, he's also uh, quite the utilizer, I'd say, of focus. He's somebody that has a tremendous work ethic uh, and yet a balanced life and, uh, and, a, and a clear perspective. He's successful immensely in this business as a writer, yet somehow still a human being, which is hard to come by. Uh, he's written for workaholics. He's written for uh, cash for what's the, I'm sorry what was the MTV show Money from Strangers Money from Strangers Love was, you mean it Love you mean it I was going to say cash for friends sorry That's about <laughs> the same concept that's about right uh, He's written all kinds of shit uh, Scotty Landis Thanks for having me I'm very excited to be here nobody ever asked me to do these Really? And I have so much to say But your friends you have so many friends I'd say you have more friends uh, that are uh, comedians and that are doing this kind of thing than you do uh, on the other side of the table. Is that not true? Uh, pretty, yeah, I should be on more of these things, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're behind the scenes, nobody cares. So, right. uh, but thanks for having me. I think this is my fourth one. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm gonna to give have you here. everything I got. Now let's talk, let's talk with, with, you know, some true respect for the things you've done. I know Workaholics is the, the on that now most current one and mm -hmm. obviously the one i'm most familiar with but i mean it didn't start with workaholics what no. did it start with it started with a show on mtv called mega drive that a comic named johnny pemberton hosted love johnny and that was about five years ago they bought 12 episodes they aired eight episodes and then apparently it was huge in latin america so <laughs> it was a cool show we uh got vehicles that nobody had ever put on tv before we got an instructor to teach johnny how to use them and then we without the instructor knowing would pull all sorts of weird like pranks and explosions and stuff to ruin that person's day for example we pretended that jo we put johnny in a crane that was driving down the highway and we threw a dummy in the same clothes as johnny off the top Jesus of the crane Christ. and the guy ran over the dummy and thought he killed him legitimately where we had to like get our lawyer and everybody to be like you didn't kill anybody it's fine and when we i think we found out that he had accidentally killed somebody in a car accident like 10 years earlier oh my god so that was a horrible moment for all of us but it made great tv yeah that's i kind of take back what i said in the beginning about you being a good person no i hate i worked on <laughs> prank shows and i hated them i um what I other mean, prank shows did you work on? money from strangers was a prank show and, uh, but that did, I, was money from. I thought money from strangers was more like a weird, like, "Hey, I'll give you money if you go do this crazy thing." Yes, it was, and you know, it never got mean spirited. I really don't like pranks. I don't pull pranks in my life ever. Like, I'll never. I don't know nothing. I won't like kids that used to flick your ear in high school or something. Sure. I would just want them to die and leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. I knew a kid in high school that used to fling spit on you, and you had to just take it because he was huge. Yeah, and he would just beat the piss out of you. I hate that stuff. I don't. Yeah. Like surprise parties, I don't like anything that's just like gotcha. So of course that my first five shows or whatever were all <laughs> my first five seasons of TV were all pranking people. All pranking people. Okay, fair enough. Nice yeah. socks, man. Thanks. Scotty is a man of class, by the way. This this, this ties into our concept today <laughs> uh, because you're you know we talked about wardrobe last night and you said you know you you you're well dressed. You you take pride in the wardrobe. You want people to know. That you take your job seriously, you're professional, you're not... Which, because in a writer's room, it's easy to show up with, like, a mustard-stained T-shirt and yes. chocolate under your fingernails. Yeah, I you don't know, go it's crazy sort of or anything. I yeah. just show up clean. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, 
in my 30s and at some point I was like I just don't want to be one of those people that dresses like a toddler their entire life right and it's just like some people I think revert to that and some people never leave it but I was just like hey I'm gonna iron my pants and take a shower I iron my pants all the time and I, I used to get a lot of shit for it really so you iron your jeans I go yeah I've never done that they get wrinkled. They sure. Wrinkled <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to you got to iron them. What are these socks you're wearing? These are um, one of the great perks of workaholics. Probably the best perk of the show is that this company Stance gives the dudes boxes of I don't know, 60, 100 pair of socks like a few times a year, all of them. So they'll bring them in and all the writers just go through and take five, ten pairs of socks. So we always have new socks. Workaholics might be the best socked writer's room. I in love that. And the Hollywood. insignia on the sock almost matches the insignia on the shoe. Yeah, that's just a coincidence. And the color, that's not, this was not planned. Laundry day is tomorrow. I can't believe this wasn't planned because the outfit is <laughs> popping on all fronts. Uh, yeah, you're a man of finer taste. Uh, this is a funny Scotty story. Uh-oh. So last night I was telling. Uh, your friend about this. Uh, uh, Matt or Mary? Mary. <laughs> Nancy or Tony? I'm so bad with names. <laughs> I almost called her Nancy. Comics again. are really bad with names. I think I called her Nancy last night to her face. Uh, she's very nice. She probably took it. All right. Anyway, Mary, I was telling I go, Mary, don't tell Scotty this because I want to spring it on him tomorrow. Um, but we went to a bar last night, Scotty and I. This, this, I think actually... The first time we ever hung out, just the two of us. Yeah, that might be true. Once we met to talk about ideas and stuff. Right. But, like, but like that last night was our first, like, hangout. Yeah, went, saw you do a set. Yeah. Did a great set. Thank started you. Started at a birthday party, wound up at another birthday party. Yeah, great time. Raccoon in a tree. Raccoon in a tree. That's right. I yeah. forgot about that. And the water was falling out because he was climbing through the tree. But at the, yeah. It was weird. And you guys thought I was losing my mind because shit was falling on my head. And then it turns out there was like a 20-pound <laughs> raccoon in the tree above me. Yes. Yeah. It was It was a nice night. It was a very nice night. So anyway, we go to this bar called uh, Jay's Bar. And Jay's Bar is known for its whiskey selection. So Scott says, uh, Scott was nice enough to pick up our dinner at, uh, we ate some food at the Improv. And I said, well, let me get the first round. Yeah. Scott said, okay, I'm going to get you this whistle. Give us two, what was it? Willet. Willets? Yeah. Not only. You hated it. Did they taste terrible? You said repugnant after they your were repugnant. first sip. They tasted like Christmas drinks. It was one of the worst whiskeys I've ever had. Or was it a rye, I think? Yeah. Do you know how much that shit was a glass? Oh, boy. No idea. Have any idea? 13. Oh, keep guessing, my friend. No. Keep guessing. $20. $48 that round was. $24 a glass wow. for the Willet. Wow, that you hated. <laughs> <laughs> Which made it taste bad. So you got the round after that. Yes. And I, I saw the bill. It was $17. So then when we got to the other place and you said, do you want a drink? I said, sure. And I turned to Mary and I said, usually I would get this round, but I'm... I'm sticking it to Scott a little bit because he made me buy us this whiskey and then it costs $50 and it was terrible. I had no idea. I, I would said, not have done s- that on purpose. Spring this on him tomorrow. I know you didn't do it on purpose. It was just funny. And she was, we were laughing like how you, you keep score. <laughs> at you a do. You know, and, uh, 
But uh, I was like, don't say anything because I want to. I want to bring this up tomorrow. It'll be very fun. I mean, talk about focus. You were keeping a running tally in your head. I bought you chicken wings. You did. <laughs> now I, I, now I, the more I thought about it today, I felt bad. I was like, it all it all evens out. And then I was like, I because in my head, what I thought I was going to do was buy more rounds for us because we, we would keep hanging. We I thought realize, we were going to have a late night. Yeah, Last I didn't realize it was a weird was one. End. Early, so I am sorry. So I tell, I'll tell you what. The next time we hang out, yes, the first two rounds okay. are on me. That's fine. I'll let you pick. That? You pick. Order any shelf you want. I did not know it'd be that expensive. That's crazy. I've never in my life had a had a two drink round that cost fifty dollars. No, not even in New York. That's crazy. I had a Bud Light once in New York that was sixteen dollars. Yeah, the craziest tab I ever saw was, and I, it, you know, not because of how high it was, but for what it cost, for what it was, was one time David Tell and I, I'm not name dropping, uh, we went to uh, um, we went to the Hustler Club, which is a strip club on the west side yeah, of New York, all the way west. Yeah, and we went in like right at closing time, and they were like, "Do you guys want something before we close?" And he's like, "Yeah, give us two Budweisers and two shots of Jameson." And it was like $59. Insane. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? This is outrageous. But last night beat it. Last night was only two drinks, and it was $9 cheaper. Yeah, crazy. And that that's not a fancy bar. I mean, that where no. we were, but the best part was that Chris Pine, the actor, walked in, looked at the entire... Re- bar did not see one attractive girl and turned around and walked out yeah and i made eye contact with them as if it was like i know it's okay i'm here with a friend we're doing male bonding i know you're on the prowl and he walked in looked around i'm sure there are a bunch of excited people and then he just walked right out i love that chris pine shows up to the bar that's in the shopping center yeah sandwiched in between a, a liquor vegan store. restaurant <laughs> yeah and like and like literally the vegan mcdonald's like it's not like a sit-down vegan it literally looks like a fast food vegan restaurant yeah and he's like that's the spot for us tonight plus spock just died like why isn't he attending that pay some Go. Yeah. Pay Leonard Nimoy some, some love. Yeah. Well, maybe he was there, and this yeah. was the afterward. Yeah, he was this drinking was the, it away, drinking the blues away. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, he, maybe maybe he was, maybe it was quite the opposite. Maybe he was coming in like, this is too crowded. I need to be in a quiet place oh, right now. Oh, that's nice. That's I mean, that a nicer nice. way to look at it. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just it's just looking at it in different ways, Scotty. He know? had one of those like beanies, like Enrique Iglesias or whatever that guy's name is. He had one of those ones that are like I'm out looking for chicks. How good? I, now I didn't see him. I was pissed because I'm a big Chris Pine fan. Good actor. Well, I, I'm the Star Trek particularly. Yeah, he's good. But in that. what? How did he look? Handsome guy. Yeah. Handsome. I'd imagine taller than I thought. It's Tall. usually the opposite. Yeah. I don't know what he is. I would guess six footer. What? I know. I thought he was like five six. That's what I thought. He had some height. He either got some lifts or something, but he he had some height. Handsome devil. Six footer. Yeah. Get out of here. I used to date this girl and her younger brother's gay. And one time he got really drunk. I think it was one of the first times he got drunk. He was in college and he just turned to me and he's like, you're no Chris Pine. And I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, thanks, dude. Like, what a weird thing to say to like your girl, your girl, your older sister's boyfriend. I was like, yeah, I know. Did he not like you for some particular No, reason? I think he really liked me. I think he just got, I think he was just mean drunk and he, but I don't know why that. 
and we weren't talking about that. And I'm sure I was being very polite and sweet. He he worked up a whole scenario in his head, man. You're no where? Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, he's right. <laughs> so who's the what's what's your ultimate? Goal in this business is it to get to is it to get to the to to writing for you know a Chris Pine type like writing those kinds of vehicles big blockbuster things is it making independent stuff is it just continuing television work what what's the thing I like TV I want to just be a show creator I think that's a great place to be and I think the underlying thing in that is that at that level you at least have creative control and you have a little bit more or as much as you can get. And uh, you can also control how you build the team around the show. And I really like when my friends are successful, then I get really excited. And so if I can hire actors that I know are great that maybe aren't getting right. looked at or writers. and right. So, yeah, that would be the top thing for me to create a show where I could build an ensemble of writers and actors that I really love. Right. That'd be number one. And then and a comedy, all comedy. Yeah, I think so. I think I st- what was yeah. what started you down this path? Like, what was the thing that made you in your twenties say, "I'm going to go that route" versus "I'm going to go full arm stand up or try to be an actor"? Or what, you know, you know, I saw I in college I did I had a sketch show and I was a, I did stand up and I had a radio show and I did all that stuff and then I wrote some sketches that were on the local TV station and I was walking by going to an ice hockey match in an arena and the girl working it started quoting lines from the show I'd written and I got more excited about that than ever being on campus and somebody being like oh shit you're on feeding the ducks uh-huh. uh, but like the, the fact that this girl had memorized like this main chunk of the scene I was like that is the cool so it was just in there that's it it yeah yeah that's you know great. no those moments are huge yeah she, I don't know who she is I never saw her again I was wa- I didn't even stop I just kept walking those moments are huge I remember when I uh was doing um Stand, I, I mean, I'm still doing stand-up, but I mean, I, when I first started going on the road headlining, um, one of my first headlining gigs ever, like at a, at a club for the weekend kind of thing, this kid came up to me, and or his girlfriend came up to me, and she said, uh, We're, we really love you on the Opie and Anthony show, and I brought my boyfriend here for his birthday, and this was like his birthday night, and yeah. I was like... It was like such a huge moment to me. It's like Jesus, like I was like somebody's birthday yeah. show. You That's know? cool. Yeah, it was you were very, an event. Yeah, it was very nice. It was you know, and like and I don't mean in an ego way, like it was nice. I just mean like it was just touching. I was like, I can't believe that some that I would be that worthwhile to somebody. You yeah, know? That's like, okay, nice. I guess I'm doing the right thing here, you know. That's a great story. That's nice. It was nice. But I mean yours is exactly the same thing. It's like when somebody says to you you know what you did had such an impression on me that I remembered it, or, or pay attention it, or, to it. Yeah, you know, that's a huge moment. That's yeah. a huge moment for somebody. It's you know, cool. that wants to work in the arts. Uh, you know, so what was your first gig ever? Was it was Mega Drive the first thing you ever landed? Yes, that was my first paid TV job. I was still waiting tables. I was at Two Boots in Brooklyn, the one that's in Park Slope. It was like a family yeah, restaurant. I know and it very well. I went in. I got a submission at like 10 a.m., and uh, I was working later that afternoon, and it had to be in by noon the same day. So I had two hours to bang out this writer's submission, and it was only probably like, I I maybe got like three a year at that point. Like, I didn't have reps. I didn't, I had friends that were comics and in the business, but like, they weren't, nobody had power. We were all still up and coming, so nobody could be like, throw my dude something. Right. 
So I did it. I actually I laid back down because I kind of misread the submission. It said something like, "If we use your jokes on air, we'll pay you fifty or a hundred dollars." And I was like, "God, this is a lot of work for the potential to maybe make a hundred bucks." Right. But then I was laying there and I was like, "You know what? Nobody else is asking you to do anything, and you have the time. You're either just going to lay here and take a shower and go wait tables, or do it." So I just did it, sent it in, got an interview the next day. And then got the job three days later, and it was like eight weeks, sixteen hundred dollars a week, which at the time for me, like it, oh god, it saved me. It was wonderful. Yeah. And then Jesus. I look back, I'm like, oh, they were ripping me off so hard, <laughs> like I so it hard. Still sounds juicy to me. Oh, it's great. Sixteen hundred. <laughs> sixteen hundred a week for eight weeks, and I hung up the phone, and I had on the like my waiting table outfit, like a black apron in my back pocket. And I just was like silently, just like gritted my teeth and pumped my fist. I was like, I can't believe I got a fucking writing job. I couldn't believe it. That's insane. And then, yeah, it was insane. I yeah, I, my, my the first one I ever had was with Pete Show. Uh, well, I had other writing jobs before that, but it was always like you're a consultant, and then you just write right, shit, the know? New York thing. But uh, my first like staffed gig was with Pete, and it was the first time I had ever like completed a packet and everything like it's a lot of work you know like he called me he's like look there we have we they just gave us budget to hire another writer um he was like you know there's uh, there's some other people besides me that you have to kind of impress or whatever because you know we're, yeah. we're bringing on a writer whatever uh and there are there are people out here that we they could they could hire but all that crap you know and i was in new york and he's and I, they i was in la when i got the packet and they were like we need it back by like it was the same thing. Yeah. Like turning around. Tomorrow. Yeah. And I had to get I remember I got I was getting on a plane that night, so I finished the whole packet by five PM that same day and sent it to them. And I flew home and I was just like, Okay, I hopefully got it. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know. And I remember I was at Gotham Comedy Club and I was walking out to uh go smoke and my phone rang and it was Pete and I was like, Oh shit. All right. Yeah, right. And I was like, here's the letdown, you know? And uh, and he called me, and he's like, hey, buddy, I have bad news. And I was like, Pete, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, thanks for the <laughs> You're opportunity. You're a nice guy. That's nice. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, no, 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 no. And I go, Pete, seriously, like, don't overexplain this. Like, it's okay. I get it. And he's like, no, no, no. And I go, it's fine. And he goes, Joe, it's a bit. I'm doing a bit. And I go, what? And he goes, I have bad news. You have to cancel your road dates. You got the job. And I was like... What? That's great. Yeah. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I thought that'd be funny. <laughs> you really believe me. <laughs> and uh, that was like, but it's the same thing. You're just like, like, I remember hanging up, turning around, walking back into Gotham and walking up to the manager, Sean, and going, I have to, I just got a writing job. I'm going to move to New York or, over yeah. the week. I mean, to LA yeah. over the weekend. And he was yeah. like, what? And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to move to L.A. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but you probably knew how bad you wanted to do that, too. There's probably something in you that was like, I should be out there writing. I should be doing a thing. It was literally the, it was literally the day after I made the decision. I, I was out here uh, promoting my one of my albums. The worst album I've ever heard. Yes, yes. Less than a star if I could. You're getting it. You're getting it, man. You're getting it. Uh, the... Uh, I was out here promoting one of my CDs, and and I, um, Pete really gave me this hard sell on like you, and it was before they knew they had the position. But he gave me this really hard sell on like you got to move to LA, man. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I don't know, man. Maybe I mean one of these days, you know. And then I I'll never forget this. I was talking to Brandon Walsh, 
on the phone and who's a really funny comic. If you don't know him, check him out. Yeah, he's he hilarious. Rules. He's Bone great. Zone podcast is great. Check that out too. Um, anyway, I was talking to him on the phone and he goes, you, he goes, you should live out here. And I was like, I, you know, Pete's really trying to give me, I don't know. I don't want to, man. And he goes, dude, do you write scripts? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to be writing and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, do you realize the opportunities you're missing? Yeah. It's like when you when you're in New York, you, you can't get called to be somewhere the same day to do punch up on a script, or something like that. He was like these little things, which you yeah. know you're because you, I was only looking at it from a stand up point of view. Yes. I was like, well, I'm going to lose all those like three hundred dollar <laughs> quick spots and gigs that I can go run yeah. and do it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh wait, those gigs exist in L. A. If you write, they're just writing gigs. That's great. Sure. So. I hung up the phone. I was like, that's it. I'm going to move. Really? And then like the next day, Pete called me and he's like, dude, this is weird, but we have room for another writer now. And it, it happened that fucking quickly. So when you were able to, when you were able to submit for it, when you were filling out the submission and going through the packet or whatever, did you, do, you did it on the plane? Is that what you were saying? No, or? I was, I was, when my, my manager at the time was letting me stay with him mm -hmm. and uh, I was I just got the packet at like 10 a.m. and I had to leave at 5 p.m. Yeah. And I just had a day. sat there and wrote the whole thing. And why did you do that? Why did you write that? Because did you know that, did you do it for Pete? Did you do it for you? Did you do it for the job? Like why were you able to sit down and do it? I think it was multiple factors. I think the problem I'd always had prior to that, because I had received packets prior to that, and I just was like, I was always just kind of like had an excuse. It was always like, well, I'm doing fine with stand up, mm. so I don't have to do this, or this isn't the right gig for me, or this is that. Yeah, it was. It was always something that just prevented me from doing it. And sometimes it wasn't right. Yeah, sure. You know, but I think when I got that from Pete, it was like I was like, the universe is clearly telling me something right now. Yeah. And Pete and I, in our friendship, were always big on the whole... Like, when he, one of the episodes of this that he did, we talked about synchronicity. We're very big on that whole, like, isn't it weird how the universe lines things up for you sometimes and whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I made a decision a day or two ago to, in, to move. I've called my parents and said, in January, I'm going to move to L.A. Wow. And while I was still in L.A., I did that. Uh this is a decision I'm making. And then the, and then a day after that, I got this call from one of my best friends who has this new TV show. Crazy. And he's like, let's do it. And it was also too, like he was like, one of the things you had to do was write a monologue. Yes. Um, but you had to write a conceptual monologue. It couldn't be topical jokes. Right. So you had to pick a topic and write a fucking like page and a half monologue. So I was like, okay, this is stand-up. Like, sure. This is stand-up writing. It just was the right fit in every way. Yeah, it's cool. You know? That's how it happens a lot yeah. of the time. It's one of those where yeah. you are a little more motivated for a couple reasons. Right, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and then, you know, it's like you're saying with the pizza thing. You're sitting there staring at an apron. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like, and it was a lot. I gave myself until 30. I was like, you have to get one writing job before you turn 30 or you obviously don't know how to do this. And uh, I said that when I was like, 
22 or 23. So I gave myself like <laughs> eight years. Right. You know, I feel like so many people moved to New York or LA and they're like, this is the year. In this year, I'm going to get in the guild and I'm going to get a manager and I'm going to, and it's like, I just was like, took all the heat off and all the pressure off. I was like, I'm just going to kick it here for a long time and see if I can wiggle my way in. And how old were you when you got the job? 27, I think. Yeah, there you so go. So I beat my own curve, which took the pressure off too. Right. Um, but, right. It, but it was luck. You know, it's all luck and timing. and and. Uh, but yeah, it's there are those ones that you pay attention to more. So Yeah, it's it's an interesting craft. It's, it's you know, I wish I would have done it sooner. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I was have been lucky enough to have like a a fairly fruitful, you know, uh, stand-up career for a while now. Sure. Which kept me away from this sort of thing. But now that I'm doing this sort of thing, I'm like, I, well, I wish I would have done a little bit of this sooner. And you like movies and all this stuff. I mean, it's clear yeah. that you like story. Yeah. yeah. Well, but again, it's a focus thing. It's like when you're, when you're able to, you know, when you're in your tw- late 20s and early 30s, it's really sweet, like, being like, I can wake up at 1 p.m. Yeah. If I feel like it. And yeah. I can go out and drink tonight if I want, and I can go meet girls, and, like, you know, it's just, it's a fucking goof. I can yeah. play video games. You get to your mid-30s. I, You know, my mid-30s is when I got my first gig, and that's when I was like, okay, like, I need mm. to start thinking about, like, yeah. the future. I need to... I don't, I'm not getting a kick out of sleeping late anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, you you know, you want to, you want to paint on a bigger canvas sometimes. Yeah. It gets boring. Everything gets a little stale. I just knew it right away. As soon as I got to New York, I think I did one stand up set at one, you know, open mic and was like, no, I don't want to do this for a while. And then I started going to all these other shows and watching everybody. And the one thing nobody was doing was like, helping anybody out like you know comics are pretty competitive and especially i mean i guess they're competitive and i would just introduce myself as whatever i was doing at the time so like i'm a temp right you know i'm a valet whatever it was and people would be like oh cool man great they were actually relieved that i wasn't like oh i'm stand up and i'm a writer and i'm an actor and and i wasn't those things and then eventually it was like I just knew I loved writing and I could do it by myself even when I was broke just sitting in my bedroom where it didn't like I'm sure there was a time when you were starting out doing stand-up where just getting out and doing sets anywhere made you feel like you were working towards the thing well sure yeah I mean that's that's absolutely the case man that's absolutely the case I would just finish features in my I sat on a bucket because I I was like just grabbing stuff out of the trash as furniture. And I wrote like six features in when I was like 22, 23, 24. I mean, they're terrible. Nobody would ever make them. And I wouldn't even go back and rewrite them. But it was the only thing I could control when it was snowing and I was broke sure. and I was in my room. And then I would leak them to people. I would leak them to comics that I thought were really funny and just be like, if you'll just read like the first 20 pages and they would laugh. They're like, nobody's ever going to make this shit. This right. is worthless. But I laughed. So if like... If they got a web series later, they'd be like, will you take a look at this script? Because they just knew I was a writer that way. Sure, that's great. It that's was great. fun. Yeah, man, that that is all you can, you know, that's all you can control, as you said, Yeah, is your output. And, um, you know, in the beginning, particularly, your output isn't always, it's all spec work, you know? It's great, though. That's yeah. the best part. Yeah. When I first started, when, well, when I, when I went to New York to do comedy... Uh, Louis Ferranda from Caroline's was one of the first guys I ever met, and he's the entertainment director at Caroline's. 
and he was one of the first guys. He was the first guy to give me paid work in New York City. Huge. Um, and he would always say, he'd always be like, kid, just keep writing, just keep writing, just keep writing. And I did. I never quite understood why he said that at the time, but now I do. And, you know, comics give me shit all the time. They're like, you know, you put an, you, you put an album out every other week or whatever. And it's like, you know, man, I'm proud that I have great. four albums worth of shit out. One of them's a double. And it's like, why? Because I had nothing to do yes. for years. I wasn't getting writing jobs. I no. wasn't making a lot of money in stand-up. Uh, I wasn't getting acting jobs. And I would just write and write and write material. It's huge. It's like, you know? And you'd knock one out, and then you'd be like, oh, yeah, this chunk of stuff. I could use this now. And what? It's the best. You know? Yeah. And, and then there's also all the shit that never, you know, yeah. like your screen just goes away. There's yeah. all the shit where you're like, oh, that was whatever. Who cares? They were know? almost just a sample. It was almost just like, and not that I would ever send it to anybody professionally, but it was just, it would just let people know that I finished scripts. And that's everything. I mean, all what were they about? One was about a guy that did slideshows for families. So, like, if there was a funeral, he would do like a funeral one. If there was a Michael Jackson convention, he'd do a Michael Jackson one. Um, which I was like, I don't even know what that was based off of, but I just thought that that would be an interesting thing. And then his life falls apart, so his performances and slideshows get like weirder and darker. And people are like, "We hired you for this bar mitzvah," and you're like, "This is a little much." Right. So, one was about. Um, a 34-year-old guy and a 17-year-old kid that hung out together every day and just got drunk together and they sold beer to high school kids to make money and uh, they get in trouble and then have to win a soapbox derby um, to <laughs> for community service and they get too drunk and crash and uh, that one was actually pretty good. And then I wrote this one called Nastics, which was about identical twin Croatian high school gymnasts that moved to Texas to be on the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team so they move in with a family and they suffer catastrophic injuries separately but they both experience them okay and then they so one has a broken arm one has a broken leg their dreams are dead they're not gonna be able to make the olympics so they enter the texas rattlesnake roundup and because of their twin powers and their gymnastics abilities they win like thirty thousand dollars and bail this family out okay it's so silly is it a comedy it's a comedy okay it's the funniest it was like the thing that i gave people where they would laugh so hard but like i still have buddies that are like comic buddies they're like that is the funniest script you ever sent me and i was like well thank you i wish i was getting better but it was just silly and i was bored and it's gymnastics people in texas with a family that thinks they're like totally gay they're like don't understand but then they can like spin on their head and flip and catch rattlesnakes and I don't know, man. It was out there. That sounds like a good movie. It was silly. But it does, I mean. It sounds like super like Will Ferrell. It could style. have been yeah. something like that. Yeah. I, that one, I just wanted to leave, you know, if I got hit by a car, at least there would have been a stack of scripts that you could read on the toilet that you would hopefully laugh every 10 pages. <laughs> you know, I didn't really care. But I, I just had to finish those, and I don't know why. And I've never revisited them, which I'm actually very happy about. I the feel like people hold on to stuff. The first two sound like European films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had one where a guy fights a, a mega snake. One was called Mega Snake, and that was like just I wanted to make my friend laugh, and so I wrote a whole f screenplay to make him laugh. 
You could probably sell that now to sci-fi. They have one. They have Mega Snake. There's one called Mega Snake. Oh, Mine was on. called Mega Snake Enter the Vaginus, which was this main character's name was Steve Vaginus, and he's like a bounty hunter within an area code. Right. And he he never got blood in Grenada, even though he fought in Grenada. <laughs> so he always was looking for his first blood. And so this Mega Snake takes over town, and he gets an obsidian sword and tries to fight it sounds amazing yeah i'm very they're finished these are fi- so i have like <laughs> i think finished. i have nine finished <laughs> scripts like this that they're all so dumb but i love them i've never taken a joke out of them i've never gone back i i don't even think i've read any of them in like five maybe ten years no, it's it's all you know it's like being in a band you know and you and writing songs and you know you just have songs you write yeah and you have things you do, and maybe yeah. maybe they'll eventually see the light of day on like the B sides album or something. Yeah, you know, maybe one day, you know, you 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 get the book published where the lost scripts, and it's these six screenplays. You I know? would love that. Yeah, it's like, but the, the, it's it, it it all serves a purpose, and sometimes it's a purpose that's that great, and sometimes it's just the work purpose. Yeah, it was just, just proving to myself that I had the discipline, that I had the focus to close, like to finish a script, to start it and finish it and that's paid off now because now when you do 30 page tv scripts it's like yeah no problem yeah my friend and i finished a screenplay about a year ago and we just did another we did a major overhaul of it uh about two months ago and now it's being shopped around and it's like after that after because we wrote the story together and then i wrote the actual screenplay and having to go back into the screenplay and like and it's an anthology horror thing so it's, it was four separate stories and just just trying to figure out like the new creative ways to put like the the through line in everything cool and, and keep the theme going and like reworking an ending or saying the scene's too long or whatever it was you do that man like then it's like you just said it's like you got to write a 25 page script no problem like, yeah you know yeah and in fact when i was writing it when we were rewriting it, we had to rewrite the whole wraparound story, and I was like, so it was like 22 pages or something, and I was like, uh, okay, I'll get this done by Saturday or something, and like, I got up on Friday morning, and I wrote the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? That's I, cool. Yeah, and I just like said it to him. That's so rare, though. You know, that is you know? the difference, man. Like, it's so hard to finish stuff. It really is, and all my friends, I'll, I'll say, like, just put a script in my hand. Just hand me a finished original and I will legitimately try to help you get anything. A job, writing job, writer's assistant job, manager. Like, I'll try to make a connection for you. And I've been in L.A. now for two years. And in two years, there are maybe half a dozen buds who I, that I know can do it. And they can't do it. Well, I mean, a lot of it, I think, has to do with realizing that there are different end game. There are different goals. Sure. Not everything is the ultimate end game. So it's like... You know, for instance, my spec script that I use as my writing, you know, to submit to a job or whatever, you know, my sample script, I mean, um, you know, that's an idea that I thought I was going to be able to maybe sell as a TV show. Mm -hmm. That was an idea that at one point I referred to as my passion project. Uh, I did a web series that it's based on. Like, I, I really put a lot of time into it and making it a good script. And you know what? It's not something I pitch. It's 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 a really it's good a way sample. to show somebody. Hey, look, cool. You know, That's like. Fun. But my point is, is you put that time in, and just because it doesn't become yeah 
fucking Seinfeld or something. You know, and it's like, who cares? It's still worthwhile, like yeah. your screenplays. Yeah, again. a buddy of mine wanted to submit for Workaholics, and I was like, I don't have any power. Like, I can, I can get you an email, but that's it. And I was like, do you have an original? He's like, I don't. And I was like, you have to have an original. Like, we don't want a workaholic spec or whatever. And he wrote... <laughs> A script, he wrote a script in three days called Super Slut Weekend right. about these loser dads. And uh, they, there's actually no like sex or anything in it. They're just like piece of shit. And it's a good title. And uh, and it's good. <laughs> and I gave it to the showrunner. He's like, that was a really funny script. And that guy's working on other stuff now, totally unrelated. But it was like, he just was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he just sat down and wrote <laughs> yeah. Super Slut Weekend. Yeah. And think about how dumb what I'm saying is. Like dumb idea or like dumb name. And yet, it, it was a sample that made people laugh. Yeah, could have been anything. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, you just, you just, just do it, man. Just why not? Do, well, that's the it's just always do it. The it's always sunny in Philadelphia story is that Rob McElhaney said that he was laying in bed one night and he just started laughing, thinking about a scenario where a guy goes to his friend's house to borrow sugar. Uh huh. And then his friend is like, I have cancer. He's like trying to get out. And he's like, it's so awkward, you know? And he's like, and I just got out of bed. And he, and he, and he said he just wrote it. Because he's like, it's just a funny scene. And he goes, and then I thought of another scene where, you know, there's this really hot girl, but she turns out to be a dude and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so then I wrote that. Then I thought of another scene and I wrote that. And he's like, and then before I knew it, I had like the pilot. And oh, we, I didn't and know that. just shot the pilot. I didn't. I was so late to that show. Like everybody for years was like, "You got to see this." And you know, sometimes you just push back when everybody's telling you're going to love something. Yeah, you're like, why pump seen your brakes? Ninety percent of the shows on TV. Yeah, yeah, but then of course it's great and everything. But that's cool. Yeah, those guys did it themselves, right? That was the whole thing. They shot they the shot- whole pilot on a camcorder, and they and they said that they would go into rooms for the pitch, and they said this is the pitch, and they would just put on the the DVD. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's and, uh, rad. And then FX gave him an offer, and he he was like, okay, tell them I'm going to be the showrunner. And he said his, I think he said his reps were like, are you fucking crazy? Right. And he was like, nope, that's that's the way it is. I'm going to be the show. And they, and they let him do it. Wow. Yeah. And, like, and it was, worked out. Yeah, that was it. God. Now they're, yeah, I just. Season 11 or 12 or 13. I mean, they're they're, s- yeah, season 10 right now, geez. I believe. I know tons of guys writing on the show. It's cool. I just went over to uh, I just went over to to see to to the set for Bur- Burr's pilot when they were shooting it. Oh yeah, and they're that's uh, their production. They're, yeah, something? it's like their project or whatever. Wow, cool. So that was kind of wild, like just going over to see my friend who I've known for ten fucking years. You know, do some scenes for his show, and then like the guys from my favorite TV show ever are like right there. And I'm like, that's cool. That's interesting. This is, this is, <laughs> yeah. this, is this oh. is why you live in LA, I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we all took too long. Yeah. Getting out here. Nah, 40's the new 30, Scotty. I hope so. And I'm only 37. How old are you? 33. Oh, fuck you, man. Yeah. Feeling every day. You're of it. 33. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Really? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm jealous, buddy. That's good. I'm je- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 33, that's a good age, man. I'm loving it. I but I lo- yeah, it's good. That's I the- never care about that shit, but it is fun. I mean, it's good. I feel like I 
<clears throat> I have to get up earlier now, which is weird. Like I just wake up at eight thirty, where like you were saying, you could, used to be able to sleep into one. I don't know, maybe you still can. Not me. No, I, I can't. I get up early. It's so weird, and then you're just like, oh man, is this what it's gonna be? Making the most out of my day forever, and then I just you know nap in the afternoon. But yeah, I get up. I mean. I get up even when I don't have to be anywhere at like nine nine thirty. Always, I don't. Yeah, I don't like sleeping late anymore. Nope, it makes me feel like a bum. I slept kind of late today because I woke up at four a.m. this morning and then couldn't get back to sleep for a while. Yeah, we didn't so, party hard enough. Yeah, I was telling you when you got here. Like, I woke up at four. I fell asleep by eleven, and I woke up at four a.m. dead sober, but like awake. Like like that the way you wake up after your day drink yeah you're like okay well oh yeah I could go out right now like, yeah and I was just kind of sitting there I called Apple I was talking to Apple on the phone about the Mac Mini and why not <laughs> yeah yeah so it was really uh, it was a really interesting morning so I, any, my point is is by the time I got back to bed I ended up sleeping another few hours and got up a little later but uh, I agree with you I don't like sleeping late I like conquering the day it's one of the things I like about LA I miss New York terribly sometimes but one of the things I really like about LA is that when you wake up and it's sunny yeah you kind of do want to get up and go do things New York it was a little easier when it was raining or cloudy or snowy or cold to go fuck this pull the covers up over your head yeah. Order the $80 worth of Chinese food is All what we're talking time. about. God, I know. So unhealthy. Last night. So unhealthy. I would go nuts with that shit. I'm glad you drink. I'm glad you still drink and that you drink. I feel like people peel off and stop. I mean, obviously oh. people have problems and that's fine when you sober up. But I f- yeah, it's rare to find somebody who can be like, do you want to go out and have a bunch of drinks tonight? Oh, dude. It's, it's so fun. One of the things I love about you. <laughs> It's one of the things I love about you. I totally agree that it's like you work. It's so dumb. I'm actually going to say this, everybody. Please. Blow off some steam. I was going to say you work hard, you play hard. Yeah. But look, look, my friend Brian, who lives in New York, who's one of the funnest guys, Brian McCarthy, very great, funny man. He has a great podcast. Brian's got two kids. He's married. Lives in a beautiful house in Park Slope. I've gone out with Brian until 5 a.m. in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. And slept at his house and w- woken up at 8.30 to the sound of him making pancakes for his daughter. Yes. And I'm like, how do you do that? And yes. he's like, he's like, dude, you don't do the crime. You can't do the time. That's it. You, you know? You, you just do, suffer. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you, you know, you got to do it. That's what, that's all it is. If I can't do it, then I don't go out. And my uncle used to say that. My uncle used to work on Wall Street in the 80s. So he, oh, my God. Yeah. He had a so few cool. stories, you know? Cool. But he would tell these fucking insane stories sure. of them like partying in New York to like five and then like getting on a train, going home, getting showered in Jersey, turning around, coming right back to work. You can do it. Yeah. And I was like, well, how would you do it? And he was just like, you, you do it. He goes, you either you, you don't do it if you can't handle that. Yeah. Uh, hangovers you know? don't I mean I get hangovers but they just don't cripple me like I have friends that'll disappear for two days and I'll just have to go to set we shot season two of Adam Vine's house party in New Orleans in a functioning bar so at like 2pm uh, a PA would come over and my hands would almost be shaking I know this sounds like I'm a full blown alcoholic but I'm not we right. just I would buy the crew drinks because I appreciate the PA. not until you said the shaking just yeah. leave the shaking part out oh right well I was just so excited about what we were getting on tape I, <laughs> I couldn't stop shaking but it was like we would go out every night and peel ourselves off the floor every morning and shoot all day and we did that for you know 
three weeks. And um, but it was like fun to take out the crew, or the executives would be down, or whatever. And it's New Orleans, so you can drink in the streets. And the bar was our location. And it was like this thing where some of the comics coming in, there's 30 comics on every season, and some of them really got into it and like went a little too hard. So the next day they were suffering. But there's like Adam and I were just like, we just have to shoot this thing. So we want everybody to have a great time. So we go out, but we want the show to be good. Right. So we get up, we don't complain, we just That's drink a up. coffee eat a burrito and say action get going that's what's up man that's the way to do it you have but we can handle it i can't stand when people stop drinking yeah unless like you said if there's a problem problem, that's fine yes but i used to have a 15 minute bit about this about vices about never giving up your vices and the whole thing was prefaced with like if you have a problem i get it i'm not talking about you yes but you know it's like these people that you meet i meet guys in their 20s and i'll be like do you drink and i'm no why I just don't need it. And it's like, really? You you look at this world and go, I don't need to fog that up ever. You know, no. everything looks great. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's fun. And then, like, the books where people say, like, it just it's just making you stupid, so a dumb time is a fun time. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, it, that, that's why I do it. <laughs> I do it to, like, tune out. It's yeah. fun to tune out. Yes. It's fun to get dumb. Dude, I was at Pete's house on Friday night. Dude, I, I was laughing with him and uh, my friend Pat Walsh, yeah. who's also a great writer. You know Pat. Mm-hmm. He, the three of us, dude, we were fucking laughing so hard yeah. at the dumbest shit. And we I'm like, giddy. it was great. Yeah. It was fucking great. Yeah. And I'm not saying that never happens when we're sober, but there's a special kind of stupid you can get to when you're, when you're a little inebriated That's or great. a lot inebriated. So I love that you're still a guy. Well, you're a positive drinker, too. Whenever we've been out together and you get drunk, well, you're having more fun. You don't get dark or punchy or mean. or. No, I actually gross. think it makes me a better person yeah. all around. Yeah. I think like it brings me into a much more social place. Yeah, my buddy Rob <laughs> and I have the same thing where we get just extremely like... Um, it's not complimentary. We get like we try to like inspire people when we're drunk, and it's the funniest thing because I hear myself doing it sometimes. I'm like, you gotta stop. But I'll be talking to like a person. I'm like, but that's why you're so great. Like, and you're gonna all you got to do is put these things together. But you have the, the it's always like a combination of talents that I mean, you're just on your way. It's like all like yeah. life coaching. Yeah, at three a.m. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love giving drunk advice. Sean Patton, we used to hang out. Sean, when like he lived, him a lot. Yeah, when he, I love Sean. When he lived in New York, he had a. I guess he's still part of the show when he goes back. But they had a show at a, a bar called Cabin mm-hmm. on Thursdays, and it was a really fun show. But anyway, it would spill out into this drunk fest. That was a hang. Yeah, it was I, a I went great a few hang. times. Yeah, Caps Blue Ribbon. Oh yeah, three bucks a can. And then they had this shot wheel yep. where they'd spin it every hour, and every hour there was a shot that was only two dollars. Yep, the most fun. But he told me once he wanted to do a web series about with me called Drunk Advice with Joe DeRosa because he would he would always look over at like one thirty and I'd have somebody cornered like I'm telling you man yeah <laughs> well then you and I both have that like and like sincerely meaning it like almost tears in your eyes and I remember it like I'm not a blackout guy I don't I've blacked out maybe twice ever like I remember what I'm doing and who I talk to and but a lot of times they don't <laughs> like that's so funny the Bravehearts speech i'm giving them about like pursuing their career as a graphic designer ends up like just going on blackout deaf ears i love it i love it it's the most fun thing to do yeah i will not 
apologize for that. I don't think we have to. I will not apologize. Yep. These people. I don't drink and drive. I don't do that shit. Right. I just go out. I lift everywhere. It's fantastic. You lift around. You uh, cab around. You walk around. You buy rounds. I'm it's walking. Great. I'm healthier. Man. You, you, <laughs> we're both healthier than we were in New York, man. It is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I don't, I just don't understand I don't understand, also, by the way, somebody that's never tried any drugs. Yeah. I don't get it. Pretty weird. I don't get it. Keep it all in line. Be safe. Be careful. But these people that are like, yeah, I just never tried. It's like, what do you mean? You work in a creative industry. How have you never? Yeah. I remember them it's doing interesting. a Q&A &A in Entertainment Weekly, and they were like, sex, drugs, or rock and roll was the question. And they asked five celebrities. And Julianne Moore was like, "Well, I would, I would say drugs probably because that, it, that would be the most mind altering." And I'm, I work in a creative space, like, and I was like, "Yes, exactly." What That's, did they mean by rock and roll? Rock and roll? I don't know. I guess which which like, would, yeah. would you prefer? I guess yeah, you know, or something like that. Man, I think it was just one of those it's things, a tough one. like. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah, right. go. Yeah, and why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would probably go rock and roll. I see you got some great albums here, but uh, I got to be honest. I think I do. I definitely like music more than any drug I've ever done. Right. Um, and I think I like it more than sex. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, um, yes. I think I do. There's, I'm sure there are albums here that you've listened to for 20 years, but I doubt that there's somebody you've been sleeping with for 20 years. Not even close, my yeah. friend. No, yeah. 20 times, not even. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever hear somebody who said, God, I forget who it was, it was like the epitome of low classes to sleep with somebody less than four times. What? I don't know either. I've been thinking about that for a while. What? I'm like, what a weird way to get into that. So you're just saying no one night stands four times. I, listen, I don't know who said it. Whoever yeah. it is, they're an asshole. Yeah, fuck that guy. It's a guy that said it? That was a guy. I, I Some could, British guy. I could kind of see it if a woman said it, like, because th that, you know, and I'm not <laughs> trying to stereotype women, but I'm that's a little more of a female perspective, like, don't be a pig. Yeah. I don't even think it is being a pig. I, think I just can't just, believe a guy said that. He just probably want to strut his stuff. Yeah, right? I don't you know. You work it, girl. You got it. <laughs> you go, girl. Um... So, anything you want to plug here, Scotty? I mean, we had a nice discussion. Well, why push it? We, we had a focused discussion for 53 minutes. Man. It doesn't need to go longer. Nope. We're good. And I, we're not getting paid to fucking be here. I'm very... I, I don't want to plug anything. I just appreciate you having me on at a nice time. Yeah. Well, of course, watch Workaholics if you're not already. Uh, if you're one of the six people not watching it, watch it. Well, Adam Devine's House Party. Be sure to check that out. Mm -hmm. it, it returns. Um, and keep your eye out on anything written by Scotty Landis because it's he's he's great. He's hilarious and uh, he's the real deal. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And I'll see you folks this Saturday. Meltdown. Can I kick it? Next week, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Guild of Laugh Fest. Following week, South by Southwest, Austin, Texas. Following week jukebox comedy club in peoria illinois and go to itunes or amazon or wherever and give my album one star rating and say why all right bye